0: Hi friends, welcome to Tony Talks Therapy. Today we're talking EMDR with Melissa Parks. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. A little bit more about Melissa. She's a licensed therapist in private practice in the state of South Carolina. She's been practicing for 17 years this year and she specializes in working with adults with complex trauma and with couples. She's certified in EMDR and can provide consultation for therapists pursuing EMDR certification. She has had several advanced trainings that inform her work, and some of her favorites include attachment-focused EMDR, somatic experiencing, internal family systems, and emotionally focused therapy, to name a few. She can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Melissa Parks Says. As you'll hear from me at the beginning of this episode, Melissa has some of the best reels on Instagram. She's so funny and smart, um, as you will hear in this interview. Um, You'll also hear a good old Zoom freeze. Um, We had this interview over Zoom and one or both of us froze for a moment. So you'll hear a little glitch there. And um, I just didn't edit it out because I didn't want to. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation. Let's dig into it. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Yes, I'm thrilled to be here. I've been following you for some time and I'm so excited to talk to you.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you too. You are like the queen of reels on Instagram. (laughs) Every time you make one, I'm like, damn, Melissa,
1: you're a genius. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely let my creative side shine a little bit. Um, It's fun. It's good times. I can kind of get a little silly on them too, but hopefully people see my heart in some of the ways that I take really serious topics and kind of put a little bit of, like, laughter in it. Hopefully they can see my heart, my compassion, and, and whatnot.
0: So. Absolutely. We see it all. Like, your clinical <laughs> skills, your heart and your compassion, your sense of humor. Like, um, it's one of the things I've loved about Reels coming on Instagram. Because I'm not on TikTok. I'm like, I can't manage multiple platforms. Um, I can barely manage, like, a podcast and an Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I loved it about Reels that it is a place to let humor come into talking about these really heavy topics. That I think is a little harder to do in, like, a post regular post. Um
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So yes. I really appreciate that about about what you do. Yeah. Um so tell us a little bit about sort of where you're at, what you do as a therapist um and then we'll mm-hmm. dig into talking about some stuff.
1: Yeah, so um I am in private practice in in the state of South Carolina. Yeah. And um, I'm, I usually stay in one of two lanes. I'm either seeing couples using emotionally focused couples therapy, or I'm using EMDR and I'm seeing a lot of folks with um, history of trauma or complex trauma that are presenting with symptoms of CPTSD or PTSD, Yeah. or I might just have somebody that's coming in that's just kind of in, their, in this place of stuckness um, and that still wants to use EMDR, so I'm usually You know, doing those two things, one of those two things in private practice. So, this is my, it's really weird to say, but my 17th year in practice. All right. So, I know, Um, but I'm still very much in love with what I do. And I'm very excited to take it to a different place with all of these fantastic things that are happening with the online world. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: What plans do you have for taking it somewhere different?
1: Yes, I'm thinking um, courses, potentially um, opportunities for now. Of course, that wouldn't be for those that are needing the structure mm-hmm, of therapy because mm-hmm. um, we have to make sure that those lines are very clear. Exactly. But, um, you know, opportunities for those that may want to learn a little bit more that don't need the structure of therapy but that want. Um, to dig into, you know, learning about the nervous system, learning about how to enhance the relationships, maybe through coursework or through like a group format or something like that. Yeah, ooh, that's exciting. We'll have
0: yeah. to keep, we'll have to keep an eye out for that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so now my mind is going a million places because I want to ask you all about EFT for working with couples, but I know we had had decided to talk about EMDR today, so we'll talk about that. I'll
1: have to come on another time. We'll do another episode
0: on couples therapy. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, So EMDR is sort of a big part of your practice. Um, Can you tell us about what EMDR is?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: just so that's like a broad question
1: (laughs) yeah yeah are you ready yeah let's dig in all right um so because like with with like what EMDR is Mm -hmm. in order to um kind of really help people understand it I want to give a little bit more to it too because sometimes people think EMDR is like this weird thing that people just, they wave their hands in front of your face or they do this tapping thing and right. there's so much more to it. Yeah. But EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Mm-hmm. It's an evidence-based treatment model. So that just means it's highly researched, lots of, of outcomes. And it's for those that are dealing with symptoms of trauma, mm-hmm. symptoms of complex trauma, um, Symptoms are symptom sets like a chronic depression, anxiety, eating disorders. I mean, it's, it's, it's now known to help a myriad of issues, not just trauma. Yeah. But at the core of EMDR, and what's really important for those, for, for your, for your listeners and everyone to understand is that there's this theory behind EMDR that says that within us all is a natural information processing system. Mm-hmm. So we all have it. And. With that, it basically says that we, when distressing experiences um, come into our life, we have a, a natural way that we process these experiences. So we think about it, we talk about it, we feel about it, we might even dream about it. And as a result, the elements of that experience are stored in explicit memory. So we move all that to explicit memory and we end up with a story that says, that was then, this is now everything is okay, mm-hmm. I am safe, whatever. Yeah. Maybe some adaptive positive thoughts too. Right. And so based on that idea that we all have that innate within us, this, this beautiful resi- re- way of resiliency when dealing with distressing events, we can also say that any of the symptoms that we're experiencing are due to unprocessed memories or mm-hmm. incomplete integration of these experiences. And in terms of trauma let's say we have something that comes into our life that's too much, too soon, too much for too long or too little for too long and our that our natural information processing system fails. Mm-hmm. And it's not because we're bad or we did anything wrong. It's because trauma is too much, right? Trauma is right. too overwhelming. Yeah. And so our beautiful nervous system comes along and takes the elements of that experience like body sensations, feelings, mm-hmm. thoughts, and fragments those for our sanity, for our survival, for our safety. And instead of moving those into an explicit memory where we have this coherent story, it moves the elements into implicit memory. Mm -hmm. So this is the unconscious memory. So this is how those fragmented pieces show up for us as our current symptoms. And, of course, they show up at the most inopportune times, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're in the grocery store. We see maybe a mom yelling at her kid and all of a sudden we are having an emotional flashback. Right. Well, that's evidence of an unprocessed something that was unprocessed for us. That's right. just kind of, you know, making it, making it, it itself known and making us so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so that's at the, at the sort of base of EMDR and EMDR is a treatment model that takes these um, fragmented parts, these, this incomplete, Experience and puts it back together for us. It gives our nervous system an opportunity to do what it wanted to do back then, but couldn't because it was so overwhelming. Right. And so that's I, that's just what what EMDR can do for us. It's, it's lovely.
0: I love that.
1: It reminds me
0: of one of my um, trainers in sensory motor um, psychotherapy talked about traumatic memory as this like page in a book that's been sort of like ripped Mm. out and just is like floating around um, and then just like inserts itself in the book whenever it wants. And like, that's like a flashback or a nightmare. Um, And she talked about the process of trauma therapy, EMDR or sensory motor or somatic experiencing, Mm -hmm. whatever, as a way to like take that page and process. Put it back in the book where it goes in time and glue it down, so that it That's is right. part of, like you said, part of the explicit narrative, Um, and it's like placed in accurate time. Right, the ability to That's say right. it's over and I survived. It's
1: time stamped. Yes. It's time stamped correctly. So yes. we're no longer experiencing the, because trauma is a reliving. Yes. Right. So when those things pop up, it's it's like it feels like the past is in our present. And yeah. this is one thing that EMDR helps us to do is timestamp those things correctly, yes. organize all the elements of the experience and put them where they belong mm-hmm. and, and and into our explicit memory so that we have this new. So with EMDR, we're, we're resulting in certainly distra- uh, uh, decreased distress over mm-hmm. the memories and mm-hmm. we have these we have this puzzle that's now put together but we also not only are we like desensitizing the the experience so it's not so intense but we also have these new adaptive beliefs that can come out with with oh my gosh our brains are so cool and when seeing this in in action it's, it's amazing what clients come up with
0: mm-hmm. these
1: new adaptive beliefs like gosh i am a good person or i am safe now or I survived. I, I, I made it through or like all these beautiful things that they wouldn't have even think to have thought prior to, um, um, treatment because they're overrun with these, um, distorted or negative belief patterns. Like I'm a bad person. It was all my fault and I am not safe. The world is unsafe, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you can both like timestamp the memory and also, um, create new beliefs about yourself, about relationships, about the world that are more helpful and adaptive to the present moment. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. And I, we see that a lot. Like, I think the, Where it's even more beautiful in terms of these new associations, I think are with a lot of the the attachment wounds, a Mm -hmm. lot of the Mm -hmm. the attachment traumas. Because you know, attachment traumas. You know, that's not to say one trauma is worse than the other. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But with Mm -hmm. when we have like a single incident trauma, where we had like an accident or whatnot, you know, it's it's it maybe goes from I'm not safe or the world's not safe to I am safe. But when we have these experiences where you have attachment trauma, there's so mm-hmm. many of these beliefs that come about about who we are and about who rel- what relationships are and right. and the the resulting new adaptive beliefs are just incredible that people can come up with
0: yeah, yeah, it's pretty beautiful um, mm-hmm. so how does EMDR actually? I guess I shouldn't say how does it work but like maybe describe mm-hmm. like what a typical EMDR session looks like um, and then because I'm a nervous system nerd I'm I get curious and I have a little bit of background on like how it actually works to make these mm-hmm. changes.
1: Yeah. So um, now EMDR is an eight phase treatment model. Yeah. So we might think that like oh it's EMDR session we're just going to come in and do the bilateral stimulation that's just one piece. That's actually phase four. Mm -hmm. Um, But when someone comes in and we're just taking a history and we're just doing, we might be screening for dissociation, that's also EMDR. That's just a different phase. Um, But typically, kind of like broadly, how I would say is that treatment involves procedures where we activate some of those old experiences Mm -hmm. by way of evoking sensations, images, feelings, beliefs, so that you have that felt sense, mm-hmm. because remember EMDR is a bottom-up brain approach to therapy, so we're spending time in that primitive part of the brain. And then once we evoke that and we um, um, activate that experience, we use bilateral stimulation, mm-hmm. which is this is what EMDR is known for, right. this is the rhythmic side-to-side stimulation of the body. By way of eye movements, so uh therapist might wave their hands sort of in front of the client's face crossing the midline, mm-hmm. or some therapists have light bars.
0: Yeah, where you track um, the light back
1: and forth. So yeah, That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, or we might use tactile stimulation, so a the, the therapist might have buzzers where buzz is left, right, left, right in the client's hand, mm-hmm. or they might tap on a client's knees left, right, left, right. We might use tones in the ears. Most of the research is on eye movements. Right. but So we're using that bilateral stimulation. And this activates and integrates information from the whole brain. And um, this, this procedure is set up where it's, it's, it's the state. Because remember, like I said, we want to create a state where the brain can do what it wanted to do back then but couldn't because it was too overwhelming mm-hmm. and so this this state involves dual attention so it involves our ability to have one foot in the past with the really distressing memory mm-hmm. and not get carried away not get swept away and have one foot in the present with the therapist in the room and so this this bilateral stimulation this dual attention stimulus helps us to do that right and um you know, we also might use things like pendulation and titration. I know those are big words and somatic experiencing and mm-hmm. and um, um, sensory motor. Your, yes, sensory yeah. motor. Um, mm-hmm. and but this helps the client metabolize the trauma. This yes. helps the client, um, helps the client's uh, um, hippocampus, right, move right. the experience from the implicit into the explicit so that it, there's a coherent story because yes. that's where that's what failed that the the emotional signals from the amygdala during the time of the trauma were too strong and the brain couldn't downregulate mm-hmm. to help soothe and the integrative function of the hippocampus failed right. and that's where it fragmented the pieces um, i'm making big movements <laughs> <Yeah. with> my... <laughs> um, yeah. But this, this state that we set up where we, we bring alive the experience, right? We bring, we need to bring it alive mm-hmm. so that there's a felt sense. And then we set up a state with the bilateral stimulation. It helps the, it helps our nervous system do what it wanted to do back then, yes. um, but couldn't because it was too overwhelming. Yes.
0: And so you said that bilater- bilateral stimulation part of EMDR is actually phase four of eight. Can you talk about what the other seven stages are? Sure. Sure. So phase in phase
1: one, we're, um, we're doing a history and treatment planning. Okay. So um, we're, we're coming in, we're listening to the client's history, their attachment history, perhaps, Mm -hmm. and um, their, their goals. Um, We're doing a specific kind of treatment plan with them. We do not need to go into a detailed history of someone's trauma. In fact, um, EMDR can oftentimes be blind to therapists, which means you can come in and say, like, I'm here because of something my dad did to me when I was young, and that's it. You don't have to tell me anything. Yeah, um, yeah. As long as you can get the felt sense of that memory of that experience, you, I don't need to know anything. Right. So that's kind of the cool cool part of EMDR. Totally. So we have the history and treatment planning in phase one phase two is all about preparation mm-hmm. for trauma processing. This is this is big here because um, if we don't do an adequate job in preparation, the trauma processing, we could experience blocks. Mm-hmm. We could experience, um, you know, hiccups. And so we're really spending time in phase two. We want to make sure that we're assessing for dissociation. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we're, Checking for relative stability relative, right? we we're, someone's coming in for trauma work. They're not completely one hundred percent perfectly stable, right. but stable enough, um, we're assessing for like can they tolerate feelings? What is their window of tolerance mm-hmm. and and what pushes them out of that window of tolerance? um we're We're looking at attachment history. we're um we're looking at readiness for change, yeah. Um, like, you know, I, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm in a really abusive marriage and, and doing this work could actually, um, do more harm than good at this time. So maybe EMDR is not the, the trauma processing is not something that we want to do. We might want to just hang out in preparation for a little while and build up some skills and, and whatnot. But so that preparation phase is really, really important. Yeah. And then Phase three is assessment. Okay. So this is where we're doing the bringing alive of the, of the memories and the, mm-hmm. the things that we've identified that we want to work on in terms of the treatment plan. And then phase four is where we desensitize uh-huh. the memory. And that's when we're using the fast bilateral stimulation.
0: Right.
1: Phase five is called installation.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: this is where we, So after we've desensitized the memory in phase phase four, so we brought the, let's say the distress was at a nine, Mm -hmm. and we brought it down to a zero. It's when I look back on this memory, I just don't feel that distressed about it anymore. That's the time where we install a positive belief. How did you want to look at this situation? Well, I want to think that I'm safe now. Okay, let's install that. So that's what installation looks like. and then phase 6 is is the body scan mm-hmm. because it's so important to bring in the body with with all of this with that bottom up brain approach we have to spend time with with the body and sometimes though we might think oh everything's good i, I think we've kind of cleared that memory well once we sort of scan the body we realize ooh, there's a little bit of tension left over here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why Mm -hmm. we need to listen to that. And so that's why that body scan is really important.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And then phase seven is closure Uh where we're kind of reviewing, closing down. And then phase eight is reevaluation where a client will come in, um, maybe the next session and we'll reevaluate about how you're doing with after that session where we've completed that treatment plan and and how are you doing with that so we just kind of reevaluate. So those are the all the eight phases. That's a lot. All right.
0: Yeah, I just was <laughs> taking notes on the side um because I've i learned about EMDR years ago but this is like a good refresher for me on all the all the pieces of it. Um it sounds like the like history, and treatment planning and preparation are like sessions in and of themselves. Obviously, it takes time to gather a history and create a treatment plan do that preparation, like making sure the client has the somatic and relational resources that they need to support trauma Mm -hmm. processing. And then it sounds like the sort of assessment through closure can be like one session, right? You're like bringing up the Mm -hmm. memory, doing the eye movements and desensitizing, installing a positive belief, doing that body scan to check for anything else and then closing the session up. Am I right that that's sort of like multiple sessions would be all of those phases together?
1: Exactly. Okay, yes, gotcha. it can be. No, not that's. It, it can be. Okay. It, it, that would be the the ideal yeah. um, kind of experience, <laughs> right? But sometimes we're hanging out. Sometimes we're we're doing a lot of work in phase four, and we and we might end one session right. where we're still we haven't quite reached that um, level of distress at a zero. It's, yeah. yeah. It's not there, and so we we'll, we would we would close. We would actually go to closure for that session. Mm-hmm. And then when the client comes back, we would re-enter with, yes. with phase four. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask a question. I guess I should. I want to couch this question in. I did a three-day EMDR training years ago and I did EMDR mm-hmm. for a while with my clients. And then I realized like a three-day training was not sufficient and I need to stop doing this treatment model. Like if I'm going to do it, I need to go like get a real training. Um, and since then, I sort of moved more into the sensory motor world um, because that treatment model is just like, it lands better in my sure. style. style. Um, and one of the things that consistently comes up for me around EMDR is the idea that we can ever get to zero distress around a um, traumatic memory um, that mm-hmm. like... My remembering is, like, every session you do the, like, 0 to 10 scale of um, subjective Mm -hmm. units of distress. How much distress are you feeling around this traumatic memory? And my understanding of EMDR is we want to get to zero. And I just have a question of, like, what does zero actually mean? Because I don't imagine it is, like, that traumatic thing that happened to me does not distress me at all anymore. Like, I think it's always going to be upsetting. Um, So I'm wondering if you can maybe talk through, like, what it means to, like, get to zero on the scale yeah. of distress.
1: Well, I have two words for you yeah. and it, and those words are ecological validity. Okay. Like so so really, I mean, this is not so rigid or um, you know black or white. There are things that we cannot get to a zero. Yeah. Let's say I have I've had a uh oh I'm Uh oh did you freeze? Looks like you're Oh, you're back. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, so there are some things that we cannot get to a zero. For example, let's say that I've had, um, um, you know, I was, I was abused. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I know that my abuser is still out there and is not, is has not been held accountable is possibly, you know, um, perpetrating and and so with that it wouldn't make sense for me to to maybe be able to say like everything is safe now Mm -hmm. it everything it's a zero um the ecological validity would probably be like a one or a two because i still have to have some low level feeling of protection and, and on guardness, and that would be enough. I would say that that would be a success for that okay. person. Yeah. And so we have to think about it from that perspective that, um, and even grief for another example, right. I've worked with people with grief. They will never get to a zero yeah. when, when it comes to, we, I, I can never, um, think of a tremendous loss and say, you know, that's neutral to me. Like that yeah. like, just can't get there yeah so that's what pops up in my head as you ask that question um ecological validity yeah
0: yeah
1: but when when we're thinking of that distress of zero to ten we're thinking of as we are here now in the moment and we look back on the memory Mm -hmm. how distressing is it to you now right yeah and we're, we're, we're shooting for a, a, a zero distress level, we're sh- but again, we have to think and take into account that eco- ecological validity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. that sometimes a zero is not possible or not. Um, yeah, not actually helpful. Right. Sometimes we need a right, little bit right. of system activation. Right. For yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Cool. Um, so you said that, um, EMDR works for a variety of, I know it's been studied a lot with trauma and it's expanding into sort of other um, other reasons that people might come to therapy. Is it a similar sort of model when you're working with grief or depression or an eating disorder with EMDR or do you does the approach change a little bit if it's not a traumatic memory that's being processed?
1: Well, the the standard protocol is what is what people are trained in Mm -hmm. is what people when they're seeking certification we're looking for um we're looking for for them to to know that standard protocol back and forth and the standard protocol is really helpful and and our go-to but there are modifications okay um and there are different protocols out there and those would require you know, more advanced trainings. Um, one of the modifications that uh, I use a lot, it veers into the attachment realm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've been trained by a couple different attachment focused uh, people in the field, Dini Leliotis and um, Laurel Parnell. And so Laurel Parnell use, uses uses a, a, a modified protocol most often, but typically the standard protocol, which is that eight phase model is really a lot of all you need for just about any of these things that people might come to you. But that's not to say that we don't have other really great um, protocols or or modifications that we can't use yeah. in the event that there's something that might trip them up.
0: Right, right.
1: Is yeah. there anything
0: that you would say EMDR... Um couldn't or shouldn't be used to treat
1: well i would i mean the thing that comes up in my head as you ask that is like when you know i've had people say like i i want to get can i can emdr treat my adhd or can emdr treat my autism right emdr cannot we we can't those things are are cannot be healed necessarily um certainly the symptoms of those things can be greatly reduced by right. doing some EMDR, but we have to be careful about what we're saying about what EMDR can help you eliminate or heal. Yes. Um, yeah. But, I mean, and, and of course, I'm not, I'm, I'm no, um, you know, I'm certified and I can provide consultation, but Mm -hmm. I have a long way to go in terms of knowing all there is to know about EMDR. Right, there's a lot more research to be done. Yeah, from my own lived experience and what I'm learning, um, I do think that it could be beneficial for a lot of things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, I have, Ooh, I have so many questions. Okay, Um, can you talk a little bit about EMDR with more like attachment trauma or attachment wounding um, and sort of what sort of modifications might happen in that
1: processing? Yes, for sure. So we're in the, when we're thinking of attachment, so attachment is something that we want to consider in phase two, like across the board, we Mm -hmm. want to take somebody's attachment history into um, consideration. But when when these people are coming to us and that is the the target, that's the thing that we're actually looking at, then we need to pay special attention to these attachment deficits. Mm -hmm. So this is a piece of case conceptualization. We want to know the relationship between attachment and trauma, the ways that a person has adapted to these trauma or these attachment deficits from Mm -hmm. their childhood, and we want to really understand the need for processing these formative experiences that created these adaptations in the first place. Right. So someone who is who is, um, you know, is needing help with complex trauma, CPTSD symptoms, uh, attachment wounding, needs to go to somebody that has these advanced um, trainings or the, this advanced knowledge mm-hmm. because um, these are the things that could really create blocks later on down the road in the trauma Mm -hmm. processing because we you know we have these people that have internalized negative sense of of self and they the parts of them that um, carry all the pain from childhood Mm -hmm. they may be young parts and they may come out and say nope we ain't doing that trauma processing today Um, so we want to make sure that we have the awareness of that, we, uh, the, the clinician wants to make, should, should have a, a, a vast understanding of, of not only attachment, but definitely um, structural dissociation, mm-hmm. knowing a lot about parts work, right. that's really important. Um, but we also need to recognize that with attachment issues, not only will we have like a person who doesn't have a strong sense of self, um, and has these wounded parts but they also might have complete gaps in their memory. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even remember anything from childhood, Right. Um, and so these memory networks that are just unavailable. Right. Uh, and so we have to figure out ways to, to go about that. And that could be where we're starting more with present triggers um, and to, to end up getting us back to those mm-hmm. memories from the past. Um, Or it could be also just starting with a belief set, like, I don't know why, I don't know where these memories are, but I just have this firm belief that I am a disgusting person. So it might be starting with something like that. Um, You know, we also want to recognize, too, that a clinician needs to be strong in their ability to... um, uh, just kind of like stay organized in terms of a person's presentation because someone with attachment wounds might not only have big gaps in their memory, but they may also have like a total diffuse presentation. Mm-hmm. Like there's like so much, you know, they, they've they got like, well, this happened to me here and this happened to me there. And, and it just feels like this giant web of all these things. Right. Um, and so we want to be able to, you know, maintain our sort of, thinking polyvagal theory Mm are our strong ventral energy so that we can help them organize those things and 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 help them so that we can be flexible and creative Mm -hmm. in delivering our treatment with them so the modifications might just be um, instead of starting with that typically we want to start with that first um the the oldest kind of memory Mm -hmm. that it's called a touchstone instead of doing that we might start with something that's more present focused um or like i said like a belief set that would be one kind of modification another kind of modification for these folks could be um you know you talked about looking at the numbers like what's the distress Mm -hmm. um what's what's the what do you want to believe about this experience and you know we might ask what do you want to believe about you know this abuse situation and they might say well that it wasn't my fault and then we would ask the question how true is that looking for a measurement Mm -hmm. well maybe in this situation those measurements can can take somebody completely outside their window of tolerance so we would skip that right um, so these, these are judge clinical judgment calls that a clinician needs to make and needs to really be, um, comfortable with and have yeah. that advanced training when we're working with attachment stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds too like, um, yeah, I love those modifications that it doesn't have to be a, a direct memory. Cause I think so many of us don't really know like, Ooh, I have this belief, but it was probably like. 500,000 tiny interactions that developed that belief and not one giant trauma or you know right specific things that we can point to so I love that idea of like starting with a current um, trigger or belief and sort of almost like working backwards like letting the body mm-hmm. tell the story around it um, yeah And it sounds, too, like working with attachment stuff, that this is where you might bring in some other modalities. Like I heard you sort of talking about parts work. So you might do some IFS, Mm -hmm. internal family systems therapy. Um, I think that's where sensory motor has a lot of strengths in attachment work, um, where you might sort of bring in some other um, therapy modalities to sort of support enough um, integration and grounding so that EMDR then becomes possible.
1: Yes. Yes. Because uh, and this is so that just even the relationship between therapist and client, it can be transformative um, and and a way that they end up experiencing that that new corrective experience where they can have secure attachment in the therapy room Mm -hmm. because we want their authentic sense of self to be mirrored through us that they you know they can really have that felt sense of oh i am lovable and i do belong somewhere yeah yeah and we have to be really 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 aware of that we have to be really good with our attunement skills Mm -hmm. and um and resonance and all that stuff
0: yeah yeah and tracking, like I think about this in sensory motor too, like tracking where the client is Um, obviously also like pulling the client in to help us know, like, are you in your window or out? Like, are you feeling grounded? Is this feeling okay? But also being able to sort of sense as the therapist, um, Oh, this is like moving into dysregulation that needs a resource right now that we can, okay, let's shift Mm -hmm. gears and do something a little different for a minute.
1: Yes. 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 Yeah.
0: Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, so I'm wondering about, and I I know that there is no answer to this, so um, because I think every every therapist's answer is, well, it depends. Um, is there a it maybe I'll make it a more specific question. If we're talking about like a single incident trauma, is there like an expected length of treatment with EMDR? Given that it's sort of this like phasic model where you go through these sort of steps. Um is there a specified like number of sessions that clients might expect to feel something different
1: yeah it is the depends yeah. answer i know that's not i figure <laughs> <But> it, <laughs> it really is but i i mean it it's written about that it is meant it is actually a shorter term uh-huh. treatment modality than than a lot of the others and um my recent training in emdr 2.0 so there's um, some really amazing research that are, that's coming out of the, was it the Netherlands, uh, and these researchers are, are bringing in new information, and um, um, there's some fast results with this kind of EMDR. Um, and I've, I've been using it pretty regularly, too, where um, I'm getting to clear to when I say targets, I'm about to use the word targets mm-hmm. – a target is one of those memories that we're trying to reduce the distress okay. over, yeah. bringing new adaptive beliefs. Typically, we're hoping to you know, work on a target, a session. Sometimes we don't even finish a target in a session, but I've used EMDR 2.0 where I've cleared three targets in one session, which oh, wow. is amazing. Yeah. So there is a lot of um, research, a lot of new stuff that's coming out that we need to kind of pay attention to, but the, definitely the answer is it depends.
0: Of course. (laughs) Um, what's, what's different about EMDR 2.0?
1: So with EMDR 2.0, they are looking more at the dual attention stimulus Uh as the main, um, the main thing that, that kind of helps a client with whatever it is that they're trying to reduce the distress over. It's less about, um, it's less about making associations and creating the new adaptive information. It's mm-hmm. more about desensitization, okay. and the way that they're doing that is with um, not only one form of dual attention stimulus, but we might be bringing in two, three, four different kinds of dual attention stimulus. Okay. So I might be having somebody tap on their on their legs while I'm also doing eye movements, and while I'm having them spell something um, frontwards and backwards. Okay. Um, it's pretty it's pretty amazing yeah. it's, it's pretty cool yeah, that's so interesting and, and a lot of a lot of the things with this is it it sort of it can make it fun it can bring some lightheartedness mm-hmm. so here we are processing this like extreme trauma experience and we're doing i'm having them tap i'm waving my hands in front of their face and i'm having them spell a christmas tree frontwards and backwards and they bust out and laugh. and yeah. when i ask okay how do you, as you look back on the 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 incident how does it feel to you now and they're like it doesn't feel distressing at all it's it's yeah. it's very it's very interesting
0: it is yeah it's super interesting um yeah oh 2.0 okay Not yeah his, it. the
1: and it's the the research is compelling it's it's a fellow named ad de Jong, okay. um, and so yeah, he's got some really interesting. Does a lot of research around the CPTSD and, and EMBR 2.0, which is why I was really drawn to taking the taking the um, the training.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm gonna have to do some some research on that. I have a lot of um, just like curiosity about. Um, about the evolving of this model. Cause it's pretty young well, yeah. as a treatment. It's been in like yes, the yes. last, what, like 20 years or something. Um, it's a pretty yeah. relatively it's, new treatment.
1: It's changed over time too. I my you know, when I first was introduced to it, what, I was a baby clinician just out of grad school and I was under a supervisor who was trained when it first started. So this is like, I don't know, 20 years ago. Um, and there wasn't as much focus on the the belief part of uh what emdr brings in so how we're focusing on the the, the um, um belief system and mm-hmm. the changing the maladaptive belief into more of an ad, adaptive belief um and but even so i would be looking at her and, and seeing what she was doing with her clients and mesmerized like yeah. wow what is she's waving her hand what is this what is this about i was, uh, completely enthralled yeah Ooh. yeah
0: it's really interesting um i'm curious about like considerations that people so i'm i'm sure that people listening are gonna be listening to this and thinking i should go to emdr um yeah, what sort right. of considerations do you think someone might make if they're looking for an emdr therapist or thinking about doing emdr
1: mm-hmm. um yeah yeah so I'm I'm hoping I'm answering in the way that you're, what you're Mm -hmm. looking for, but I, if you're thinking about EMDR, I would definitely, I would definitely encourage you to reach out to a clinician um, and express what it is that you're looking at working through. Mm -hmm. Um, Ask if this is something that is in their realm in terms of the clients that they work with. Um, You don't want to go to a therapist that mainly works with children and using EMDR, if you are, um, working on, if you're an adult yourself, or if you're working on things that, that, um, you know, you're wanting to work through that's from, you know, maybe later on in life or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're wanting to make sure that they have the advanced trainings that are relevant to what it is that you're wanting to work on. Um, you want to ask the questions, are you, How long have you been doing EMDR? Are you Mm -hmm. trained, Mm -hmm. or are you certified? Because clinicians can be trained in the model, but they seek, they have to, um, they have to go through more advanced training and consultation and supervision in order to get certification. Exactly. Um, So you want to make sure, okay, are you certified? And if they're not certified, that's not to say if someone's not certified, you shouldn't go to them because if someone is trained and yet they get good supervision mm-hmm. and they're they're practicing fidelity to the model that kind of thing great um so you want to ask those questions but also just be aware of things like that i talked about in uh about phase two mm-hmm. what what is your what is your relative stability like um what is your window of tolerance look like yeah. what what does your attachment history look like what are the things in your life that may, um, uh, may change if you were to get better through EMDR, and, and, and is that workable for you? Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that you want to be kind of paying attention to. And so that's, I think that's how I would probably answer that question. But know that you can ask those questions of the clinician. Right, you know,
0: right.
1: ask those questions that you need to ask. I, I recommend the EMDRIA website, EMDRIA.org. as mm-hmm. a good therapist listing for EMDR therapists. And then Psychology Today, you can yeah. put in the filter for EMDR. Great. And a good old Google search can also pull up some um, EMDR therapists that aren't listed on those uh, listings yeah. that might be in your area. Great.
0: Yeah, and Emdria is the, and I'll link this in the show notes, Emdria is the certification organization. If you are uh, seeing a certified therapist, that's someone who's gone through the Emdria EMDR training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. I feel like we could dig in so much more, but I'm sensitive to both of our times. Um, Thank you so much for talking about this. I wonder if you can tell us where people can find more about you, your social media, your practice website, if they're in your state, all the things. Where can people find you?
1: Yes. Um, so I'm on Instagram. I'm over on TikTok. Yeah. Having a good old time. <laughs> and I'm also on Facebook. I'm at Melissa Parks Says.
0: Okay.
1: And my um, practice website is MelissaParksTherapy.com. Mm-hmm. So um, the social media websites are the best ways to... If you're an ENGR therapist looking to get consultation, because I do provide that Mm -hmm. as a consultant, I can provide you with some consultation hours. That would be the best way to reach out, or through email info info, at Mm -hmm. melissaparkstherapy.com. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty much all over social media.
0: Yeah, and you're awesome. (laughs) I love your content so much. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was really, really wonderful. Yeah, thank
1: you for having me and I'd be happy to dig into some couple of stuff at a yes. at a future meeting.
0: Yes, that would be so much my fun. Other,
1: yeah, that's my other love yeah. for sure.
0: All right, thanks so
1: much Melissa. Okay.
0: Thanks so much for listening. That was such a good conversation with Melissa. Don't forget to go and follow her on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, wherever you hang out, she is at Melissa Parks Says. Share this episode to your stories on Instagram, rate, review, subscribe, all the things. If you're not already following me on Instagram, I'm there at Tony Talks Therapy. And we've got links to Melissa's Instagram handle and the EMDR. Uh, association website in the show notes. Um, So go give Melissa a follow on Instagram at Melissa Parks Says. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all so much. Take care.